Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Love Curvy Yoga. Thank you so much for listening. And we love hearing your feedback and ideas about things that you would like to hear us talk about. So please send those our way. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can please subscribe and share it and rate us on iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, much appreciated. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we're going to go right into our highlights and lowlights of the week. Liz, why don't you kick us off with yours? Okay, so my highlight of the week was voting with my daughter yesterday. Yay. Um, yes, she's not old enough to vote, but she came with me. And I didn't realize until yesterday, maybe when they were like younger, younger, but when they're have been, when they've been old enough to kind of comprehend what's happening, my kids have never voted with me because I've always voted when they were at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have school yesterday, and also I did not vote until six o'clock last night. <laughs> but <laughs> She uh, came with me and she is um, pretty aware of politics and she's interested in politics. And so um, even though she can't vote, she kind of knows what's going on. And so we had a lot of really good conversations yesterday while we stood in line and waited and talked about some of the local amendments um, that just affect things where we live Mm -hmm. and realize while we're standing in line that she will not be able to vote in a presidential election until she has probably graduated from college. So she can't vote in this next election, but she can vote in the next one after that. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying that she has to come back to Nashville to live so that she can be a resident here so that we can vote together in her first presidential election. (laughs) (laughs) Which will also be her younger brother that will be the first presidential election that he can vote in as well. Oh my gosh, wow. I know. So we were planning our um, family presidential election uh, voting. Oh my gosh, that's so (laughs) Extravaganza. I love it. (laughs) There's going to be cake. There's going to be coordinating outfits. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, too far with the outfit. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Duly> but <noted. laughs> yeah, I think my high was just seeing her be excited about something that she can't yet participate in from a voting standpoint. Yeah. Um, but knowing that she is like anxiously awaiting her ability to do that made me really happy because my parents didn't vote growing up. As uh-huh. far as I know, mm-hmm. um, I think my dad did vote as, when I got older. I remember him voting for Bill Clinton. Uh-huh. Um, so I know that he voted. But when I was younger, I don't remember them voting. Um, and I think I didn't at 18 feel like voting was super important, I think, because I hadn't seen it modeled. Sure. Um, so I was excited last night to just know that she is so excited that she is planning, you know, six years from now. <laughs> What voting will be like. Yeah. I love that. We need all the people like that we can get voting. Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my low for the week is, was the realization last night that I still live in a red state, um, <laughs> but I do live in a blue county. So big ups to Nashville. <laughs> yes, that's right. And Memphis. Memphis and Nashville, the redemption of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> holding it down. <laughs> yes, holding it down. Um. What, yeah, what about you? So my high is that I got to share the word finally more broadly about being yes. pregnant. Yes. And now I don't feel the pressure to keep my mouth shut anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try to joke with everybody that you also just found out, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've known almost since I have, so. I have known. I knew before you knew, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that wouldn't be like totally surprising. No, it wouldn't be that shocking. <laughs> Um, and now my low, it's been so funny doing the podcast and not yet talking about being pregnant because I feel like every week I'm like, my low, is this a new annoying pregnancy symptom? (laughs) (laughs) Um, this week I feel like I'm getting carpal tunnel. We'll see Uh, if that happens or not. uh, Um, but I just, I was of course looking it up online and read that up to 60% of pregnant people get carpal tunnel. I was like, what? oh my gosh, I had no idea with so many. Is that just from like increased inflammation in yes. the body? Like, yeah, swelling. Yeah. And that then it gets sense. like, that makes sense. Yeah. It, the nerve gets compressed. That's crazy. Yeah. And my mom actually had told me that one of her friends got that. And this was like in the 80s. And I was kind of like, okay, that doesn't really sound like a thing. <laughs> and then now I'm getting it. Yes, now you're getting it. <laughs> Probably that was that. karma, but whatever. Yeah, that was karma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we will transition to our next segment. Okay. So our next segment, Corner of the Curve, is a solo talk (laughs) from me. And I am going to be talking about my journey with fertility and pregnancy, Mm -hmm. specifically related to yoga and body acceptance and really staying on your own side and learning how Mm -hmm. to take in input. There's so much input um, with things related to our bodies and figure out like what's true for you, what's not true for you. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking this morning, Liz, that it reminds me a lot of your earlier solo conversation about other people's expectations versus your own expectations. Yes. And really feeling like, okay, here's what I know intuitively about my body. Here's what other people are saying. How do I kind of balance these things out? Yeah. That filter. Mm hmm. Yeah. Great. Exactly. So that is coming your way right now. Yes. Can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into this conversation. I am excited to share this with you because in some ways I feel like I've been waiting months to talk with you about this since I got pregnant. And in other ways, it feels like years (laughs) since we started trying to get pregnant. So needless to say, I have plenty to say, but I'm going to try to share it in a succinct way. And I thought I would start off just kind of laying out the parameters of what I'd like to share. Um, So I'm planning to talk about what I have learned about advocating for myself in a curvy body in this particular context. And what I'm not going to share is what helped or didn't help me get pregnant. And the main reason for that is that I really don't feel like I know I did a bunch of different stuff, most of it, at, you know, simultaneously. So it's hard to pinpoint. And I don't know what combination of the things I tried plus time plus who knows what happening in my body made it happen. And I'm very aware from being on this journey off and on for years that it's easy to want an answer and I wanted an answer many times. I'm going to talk about that. Um, so I'm 
not going to provide any because I don't think it's helpful and because I don't have them. So um, that's part of what I am not going to share. And also, I'm just very aware of how everyone listening has had really different experiences in this regard, including it not being on your radar at all. So I would imagine from everybody listening that we've had essentially every single experience that could be had. Um, So I want to talk more broadly about what I have learned in regards to yoga, body acceptance, and really staying on my own side, especially when other people are trying to make me not do that. I also want to start off acknowledging how much privilege I have in navigating the muddy waters of fertility and pregnancy. So though I have certainly faced many challenges, and I will talk about that some, I did have the time, the money, the privilege to do some exploring, to feel empowered, to stand up to medical authorities or to change doctors. And of course, all of that is enhanced by, undergirded by being a white woman, which the system treats far better than it does women of color. For example, black women in the United States are four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. And those outcomes carry across socioeconomic status. And that's because the cause is not poverty, it is systemic oppression and racism. So I just wanted to lay that out before we get going and then hop into (laughs) what I have to share for you. So all of that being said, here are some of my takeaways at this point in my journey, knowing that I'm sure I'll have many more to share with you in the future. So the first one is to stay rooted in your practices, whatever they are. So those certainly may include yoga, meditation, body acceptance, but I encourage you to think more broadly too. So what are other things that help you stay connected to yourself? Is it nature? Is it time with certain people? Is it time alone? (laughs) For me, it's often time alone. Um, One of the things that Nick and I have been doing in preparation, we have taken a class that's focused on the couple as they transition into new parenthood. And one of the things we were asked to do is make a note of what would help us just when we're like, oh my gosh, I just need like a 10 minute break. What would we do in that break? And my answer every time was time alone. (laughs) So some of you who um, know me have been my student in person Um, or have just been around for a while, probably are not too surprised by that. (laughs) So I'm bringing that in just to say that there are a lot of different practices. And I know that yoga and or body acceptance may not be your only ones. um, And may not even be sometimes on your radar. (laughs) That's true for me at different points. Um, For me, being connected to these practices has been really essential And by that, I don't mean, oh, every single day that I've been trying to get pregnant or that I've been pregnant, I've been like on my mat without fail. No, you already know that about me. (laughs) You know that I see it all as an ebb and flow. I would say what's been most important is the relationship that I have developed with my body and 
related to that, my intuition, inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it, through those practices. So whether or not I was physically on my yoga mat, I have developed a deep enough relationship with my body at this point in my own journey that even though it sometimes takes me time, (laughs) we will talk about that, I do feel like I could ultimately land on what is true for me, um, sorted out from other people's advice, their fear projections about what's going on with my body, etc. So for me, my practices have been really critical for that reason, for staying on my own side. And certainly at varying points during this whole process, I treated my body like a project, even sometimes like a problem. And that's not surprising. (laughs) That feels a lot like my old dieting days. What's different though, is that when that happened now, I noticed. So even though it wasn't necessarily simultaneously, it usually wasn't, (laughs) um, I could eventually bring myself back to center. And I really believed through the whole process in my bones, even though I doubted it many times, that while yes, taking care of myself was important, that that didn't mean that I needed to do what some doctors were suggesting, which was usually some version of like, lose half my body weight or something else incredibly extreme. So that's number one, stay rooted in your practices. Number two, kind of piggybacking off of the doctor point there is to seek out the advice of like-minded providers if you are able to. And if you're not able to find any locally, bring in information you found elsewhere Um, for fertility and pregnancy. I have really liked plus size birth, which has a website and a podcast, lots of links to resources. They have a great guide on how to find size friendly providers. Um, So I found that really empowering once I found that resource. So of course, not too surprising doctors definitely still oversimplify health when it comes to fertility and pregnancy. I don't think that the weight bias, the fat stigma is necessarily worse than in other fields of health, but it is certainly quite obvious many times. Um, So I really felt like I had to be my own advocate in a major, major way with pretty much every single doctor that I encountered. Um, having to convince them of what was objectively going on with my body. I had all of this data that wasn't just like based on my personal opinion. Um, and still doctors had a really hard time letting it sink in. I had to kind of remind them and show them and point it out to them because they just came to me with an assumption about what was happening with my body, which I knew wasn't true, that no data backed up. It was like, really having to get through their filters in order to have any helpful support, which is annoying (laughs) to have to do that. Very frustrating and just kind of feels like you go in feeling defensive, which I'm sure many of you may have experienced. I have certainly experienced in other contexts outside of fertility and pregnancy as well. Um, Some of you may remember that 
years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, I was part of an article in Prevention Magazine that was talking about this very issue of fat stigma in the medical field. And I shared a story about when I had been, I had stepped off some stairs, my foot it went into a hole outside, my ankle twisted, and it really, really hurt. Um, so I went to the doctor, had an x-ray, they didn't find anything. So they were like, oh, you're fine. This is just a sprain. You can wear a splint. I think I really got it at CVS or some drugstore, <laughs> nothing special. And then they were like, okay, come back if you don't feel better. I think they said in a few weeks or so. So at, I feel like at least a month, sorry, I feel like at least a month went by before I went back because I just kept feeling like, oh, it's going to get better. They said it's going to get better, but it didn't. And so I went back to my doctor and I was like, my ankle is really not better. If anything, I feel like it's worse. And she was like, oh yeah, you probably just need to go on Weight Watchers. Friends, I'm sure you can imagine what my face was like in that moment. (laughs) And this is before I really got good at advocating for myself with doctors and not accepting stuff like that. So I let her go on into what felt like a 20 minute conversation. It was probably like five minutes, but all about how her husband had been on it and lost all this weight and blah, blah, blah. And if you know my story, you know, I have been around Weight Watchers. I've done it many times. Um, So I told her that And she was like, well, I guess if you want to, you could go see an orthopedic doctor. And I was like, I do want to. So a day or two later, I don't know how long it took me to get in. I went to see the orthopedic doctor who took a kind of more in-depth scan and was like, yeah, here's where your ankle was broken. And then once again, somehow it became my fault because he was like, it's too late to do anything now. So that was in... 2009. And this ankle still bothers me from time to time. And I imagine it will the rest of my life. Um, So that's just one really cool example. (laughs) Oh my gosh, stories like this drive me so crazy. So seek out the advice of like-minded providers. And listen, I know that it is not easy. It really has taken me a long time. And I've had to do a lot of research and switching doctors. And that takes time, effort, energy, and the ability to switch doctors. So of course, if you don't have health insurance, that can be more complicated. If you do have health insurance, sometimes you can't switch to the doctor that you want. Um, I do have health insurance, but of course have limitations on who I can see and all of that. Um, So it can definitely be complicated. And even with the providers who I have now who are much better than some of the others that I had earlier in the journey, I still feel like I have to do some work to just kind of stay on top of us being on the same page that the answer for every single thing that's happening to me is not weight loss. Um, In fact, that has never been the answer (laughs) to what's been going on. Um, But it takes some time to get there. So 
Okay. The next thing that I want to share with you, number three is to feel what you feel. So there were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times that I made myself feel wrong for whatever I was feeling. And usually that was if I was feeling doubt or negativity or whatever, something along those lines, then I would think, oh, I need to quote, get my mind right or whatever, or I'm never going to get pregnant. This line of thinking is maddening to me. And even though I did it many times, it's probably part of why it's maddening to me. Um, I tried so many different things. So, and really coming at these things from a place of desperation, from wanting an answer that's like, oh, this is the day that you're going to get pregnant or you're not going to get pregnant. I just wanted a concrete answer to something that really doesn't have a concrete answer. So I tried affirmations and oracle decks and tarot readings, and I don't think any of it hurt. And certainly some of it may have helped. But since I was coming from that place of desperation and wanting answers, which is, I know, not really (laughs) the way that those things are um, supposed to work, then I just felt like, oh, this is going to tell me everything, which of course it never did. And I think it, you know, many of those things can kind of get tied up in this idea that if you aren't getting what you want, then there's something wrong with you, that your mindset isn't right, that you didn't meditate on your visualization long enough, etc. And I don't think any one of those things creates that um, idea. There's a lot out there around that, but it all kind of gets into this weird soup sometimes. And I really call BS on the idea that if you aren't thinking the right thought every second, then (laughs) you're not going to get what you want or things are going to go badly or whatever. Um, I don't really think that we have quite that much control over what's happening. So I think all of these things can totally support you on your journey. And many of them did. But I think what goes wrong sometimes is when we put all of our stock in them and usually end up beating ourselves up when they don't quote unquote work. And this applies to a lot of things. Of course, it also applies to dieting. I mean, we see the same line of thought there as well as I'm sure you can think of many other areas of life. Um, And I think it's all built on a lot of weird things in our society, but particularly the American idea that if you just work hard enough, then you will quote unquote, get ahead. Well, we all know that's not really true. (laughs) Many people work really hard and do not get ahead. Other people do not work hard and do get ahead and everything in between. And what that tells me is that there are larger forces at play as well. So What I ultimately landed on was not making myself wrong for what I was feeling, not feeling like because I had a negative thought that it was never going to happen, and just letting myself feel what I was feeling. 
So some days I felt optimistic, other days I didn't. Some days I thought it would happen, other days I didn't. And none of it made a noticeable difference in the outcome. It's not like, oh, my thoughts were really perfect the month that I got pregnant. No, if anything, the opposite. Um, But really, I don't think that's a helpful framework at all. Um, The only noticeable difference was that on the days that I was fighting how I felt, I felt bad. (laughs) Those were not good days. And the days when I could let myself feel what I was feeling, even if that was a feeling I didn't love, um, went ultimately much more smoothly. So I think the flip side of this is people who say you will only get pregnant or find a partner or get the job or whatever once you stop trying. So as though the universe or whatever hates people who want things and only gives them to you once you give up. Once again, I call BS on this. I am also a no on this kind of magical thinking. Um, Again, not that there aren't benefits to surrendering to the process. Um, I did reach a point in my own journey where it just really hit me. And I talked about this in the email I sent the other day, if you read it, that I was either going to get pregnant if or I wasn't. And I had done what I could and the rest was kind of out of my hands. So I did hit a point where I let in that realization. But I think that sometimes we as a society take these things way too far. So I think there's a difference between really a big difference between something lightening your mental load, which is what happened for me, and it being the make or break between whether or not you get what you want. So when I had that realization, I felt more relaxed. Um, I felt more at peace, but it wasn't like, oh, I did that. And then the next day I got pregnant. Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay. So of course, This, as many things, reminds me of diet culture, because where else have you heard if you just tried harder, you would get what you want? If you weren't so lazy, if you had better thoughts, if you visualized harder, if you just did what so-and-so told you, oh my gosh, yes, we see that in diets and capitalism and racism and sexism and on and on and on on that obnoxious list goes. And I am really so sick of that. Um, One question I think is always good to ask is who benefits when I think I am the problem? And the answer is almost always those bigger systems. So then the other side of that is who does not benefit. And the answer is almost always you. So (laughs) that's not to say you don't have a role in your own life. Of course you do. Um, But it's good to kind of break things apart and see what else is at play here, I think, and to really stay on your own side. So that brings me to number four, disregard all advice that does not work for you, including anything slash everything I am sharing right here. This one doesn't really need further explanation. (laughs) Number five, remember that you are not a problem to be solved. 
I feel like this is one that bears repeating. Remember that you are not a problem to be solved. That you are a complex human being who has many different things going on, many different wonderful qualities about you, that you can't be oversimplified into something you can check off of a list. The more you can let yourself be human and have your full experience and ask slash expect other people to meet you there, the better. Number six, this has been an important one for me. If there are people in your life who are not supportive of whatever it is that you're doing, share as little with them as you are able to. As my patron saint, Brene Brown, says, you share with people who have earned their right to hear your story. I think this is such a helpful parameter to have in mind. So people who are constantly questioning you, doubting you, telling you you should do something that you know does not align with your own intuition, values, principles, etc. I don't think those are people who have earned the right to hear your story. And you have the right to share with whoever you want and to be really discerning about the feedback that you choose to let in. Last thing I want to share here, number seven, is to keep developing your tools to stay on your own side. So those might be some of the practices that we talked about earlier. Um, They might be little reminders like the one I just shared from Brene Brown. You might have some quotes that you like, um, words that kind of anchor you in what's true for you. You know, there's a lot of different amalgamations of this, but the main thing I think is it's very tempting when you're in a process like this to turn it over to someone else, whether that's a medical authority, a book that you've read, someone else's advice, etc., and to really lean into that to let that guide you. But I think ultimately, the more you can stay on your own side, take in people's feedback, sure, but with a grain of salt, (laughs) you know, measuring it against what's true for you, um, the better. So thank you for listening. And we are going to move now into our next segment. All right. So on to Curvy Collab. Um, This is just where we share a resource um, that we are enjoying or that we're listening to or reading. For me, we, as we know now, it's mostly products and people on Instagram. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And if you know me, you've probably heard me talk about how I think one, one tool that can be, not necessarily for everyone, but that can be helpful in kind of a, um, as you're learning to appreciate your own body um, can be making sure that you're looking at images of other people that look like you Mm -hmm. Um, and not exactly, but that, you know, are just more um, that just look closer to your body than maybe what we have seen in mainstream media. And I think one of the beautiful things about social media is that you can, you know, pick and choose what you're looking at. So um, 
My resource for today is a woman on Instagram and her Instagram handle is the 12-ish style. So we will um, uh, tag her so that you can find it. But she basically takes, um, if you're into fashion, you'll like this. So she takes kind of like paparazzi pictures of celebrities wearing the outfit and then she wears a similar outfit in a picture and it's fun. So it's just like fun to follow along with her. Um, but it also just shows that like fashion can work for all different sizes. Um, so she's really great. Great. Again, it is the 12 ish style and it's the number 12. Oh, nice. Yeah. I am definitely going to check her out. That sounds like yeah, she's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to turn to our gratitude now. Um, Liz, what's your gratitude? I am thankful to know people who um, don't just kind of leave their, um, the things that they feel passionately about. They don't just like vote on those things and then leave them at the poll. Mm. So I feel like I know a lot of people who give in whichever way makes sense for them throughout the entire year, throughout all seasons to causes and things that they know are important, that support their community, that support people who are like them, that support people that are not like them. Um, And so I, even last night while I was feeling this like "Eh," about some things that happened locally, there were also some amazing things that happened locally last night, but Mm -hmm. some things that happened locally and, and on a statewide level, I also was like, you know what? Like I know so many people that are doing the work like the real work, not politicians, like real people, mm-hmm. <laughs> real lives who are like in the trenches every single day who, when I wake up tomorrow morning, are going to keep doing all of the things that they're, that they were doing regardless of, of what happens tonight. So, yeah. and the first text I got this morning was from a social worker, um, who was kind of telling me something that she had to do today. And I was like, see, like sh- she is just, continuing on like it doesn't matter um so I'm really thankful for that perspective and to know those people and yeah that that really makes me feel good and full I love that and broader context random social workers do not text Liz for no reason it's part of the school work that she does (laughs) that she talked about last week Although that might happen too. Who knows? Yeah, it does. Sometimes it does. She was actually texting me, asking me, she said, I'm walking into a staff meeting and I need you to pray that I will keep my mouth closed about some things. And I said, I'm actually going to pray that you will open your mouth when, when, when it needs to be open. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, my gratitude and I will not be making everything I share on here about my pregnancy. I promise, except for today. Uh, you can. <laughs> um, today I just want to thank all of you who are listening. If you saw our pregnancy announcement, we got so many sweet comments and mm-hmm. loves and emails. And that really, um, made Nick and I both feel so happy and supported. And many of you shared with me on email or, um, direct message that you've been kind of aware of my fertility journey off and on over the years. And you were just yeah. really excited. And 
not only do I really appreciate that support, it's just so beautiful to see how connected yeah. this community is and has been mm-hmm. over time that we, of course, like love our new people. If this is your first day being part of Groovy Yoga, welcome. Yes. Um, but it's great to know that we have people who've been with us a long time too. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You should you should also note that when you said our pregnancy announcement, I thought you were referring to you and I, not you and Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of also true. <laughs> that's amazing. Did we just before we recorded this have a conversation about people that center narratives around themselves? <laughs> that was in a bad way. This is in a good way. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening and for joining us. Again, we would love to hear from you about things that you would love to hear from us. So um, we are just going to close by taking one deep, deep breath together. So inhale. And exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.